This episode is brought to you by our friends at the Lexington Tourism Authority. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and telling your friends about the North Carolina Food and Beverage Podcast. This episode is sponsored in part by Blue Shark Vodka, all the taste without the bite. Blue Shark Vodka, coming out of Wilmington, North Carolina. And by Spot On, tech that helps your business grow. Coming to you from the kitchen studios in downtown Raleigh. And now, whether it's actual, factual, hyperbolic, or worthless drivel, these gents will keep cooking up verbal dishes that will make your chair inappropriately swivel. It's Max Trujillo and Matthew Weiss. Hello, and thank you for listening to the North Carolina Food and Beverage Podcast. I am your co-host, Max Trujillo. And I am your co-host, Matthew Weiss. And today, we are in Lexington, North Carolina. That's right. Lexington, North Carolina needs to be repeated. And we are at the, let's say, mecca, one of the many meccas in North Carolina of barbecue, uh, at the Lexington Barbecue, and we are talking with uh, the proprietor of Lexington Barbecue, Mr. Keith Wright, but most of you in Lexington know him here as Bub. Welcome, well, Bub. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, yeah. folks. Well, and that's that's a good key. We're, we're doing great, by the way. Thank you. We are here in the morning before, before the chaos ensues, right? Before exactly. the craziness goes. It's about exactly. 9 a.m. You open at 10. Is that right? Right. And does it just start rolling? It does, pretty much, and, and we have orders set uh, sometimes when people call a day ahead of time. Mm. So when we open that door, some folks will come in at 10 o'clock saying, where's my order, where's my order? Ready. Right. So and we're ready. You better be ready. Yeah. We, so start, we start at about 5.30 in the morning. Oh, so you're already here at 5.30 oh, yeah. in the morning to get oh, this yeah. going. Oh, yeah. So will the... Okay, and so let's define this yeah. before we get in. So what you're doing here is you're cooking pork shoulders on coals. You're getting your pits up to about 125. Well, you're sorry. You're getting the. You're pulling them off. It's like 125 in the pits, but I don't know what the fire actually temperature well, is. We, and not to correct you, but there again, we we probably cook in the neighborhood of 160 to 175, 180. Okay, that's but still that, really low. It, yeah. it is, but yeah. it, it it's because when we cook our shoulders and you fire your pit, they're going to be a little hotter than that. Yeah. But on an average. In the 30 minutes time it takes to fire it again, that average is in that 160 to 180 range. It might be 250 when we first fire it. It might be 140 when we get ready to fire it again. So about 175 is a 10. Probably the average. Yeah. And so let's like, frame this a little bit though. Yeah. So we've walked into Lexington Barbecue, Lexington as a city, as a town in itself. I think we were discussing there's about 15 different notable barbecue joints, barbecue pits, whatever you want to call it, uh, in this area. This is like a mecca of barbecue in the heart of North Carolina, right in the center of the state. And barbecue is a little different all over the state, all over the country, but when we're just inside of North Carolina, forgive us, but when we're talking about from the triangle, we lean towards referring to more East North Carolina barbecue when we talk, and that's the intense vinegar sauce and, and a lot of salt and pepper on the, on, the, on the pork. Now, Lexington kind of does its own brand of barbecue, and it's a little bit different. So maybe tell our listeners what that means uh, and how it might be a little bit different than what you would typically know on the other side. The two basic differences you're going to notice in cooking the Eastern style or the Piedmont or Western style. Hmm. First of all, Eastern style is going to be a whole hog. Right. It's normally a whole hog, but we're going to cook the shoulders. 
Secaval is exactly what you mentioned, where ours is more of a sweeter, ketchup-based sauce, where Eastern style is more of a peppery, vinegary sauce. Nothing wrong with either one of them. Oh no! You know, if you if you start drawing battle lines, you 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 better be ready because it's like you invaded one side or the other if you cross certain counties. So, also though, if you call it sauce here, people are gonna know you're not from here, right? Sauce is in a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> what do you dip, call it? Dip is in a pot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dip. So yeah. that's and and we were fortunate enough when we got in late last night to have dinner here. And so we, we got to try a little bit of this barbecue. And obviously when we talk barbecue, we're talking pig, we're talking whole, yeah, shoulders here. Uh, there's a couple different options. You had the chopped, you had the sliced, you had the coarse chopped. Right. And so uh, wh why? Why do we have three different ones? What's the purpose of that? The main reason I think is, is most is gonna taste the same. It's the texture of your meat that you're gonna like. Yeah. Some prefer chopped. Some prefer slice, some prefer, prefer coarse chop. And the reason uh, you have chop mainly is because when you work up your shoulder or you work up whole hog, there's certain pieces you can't do anything with. You can't chop, I mean, you can't slice it or coarse chop it. So they're small enough where you're gonna have to chop it up. So mm -hmm. it's gonna be chopped anyway. But your best cut, I think, is when we coarse chop. It's the bigger muscles that are on your shoulder or on your hog. And then it's a select cut. If you get that cut most of the time, it's a sweeter meat. It's next to the bone, and it's a little leaner. All your fat is more so on the outside oh, yeah, of your shoulders. Yeah. And your pig, if you'll notice, you know, when you slaughter a pig, you know, you've got three inches worth of fat around it, and that's, you know. I can look down at my own gut and know that all the sweet meat's <laughs> down low. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You know where the bacon is. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So, well, let's take it back, because... Uh, you've been doing this for, oh, you're coming up next year on your 60th right. anniversary here right. for Lexington Barbecue. How did the uh, style of pork shoulder define Lexington and why is that the definitive style as opposed to, why wasn't it whole hog? I, my personal opinion on that, I think it's because the shoulder was one of the cheapest cuts of meat that okay. you had. Mm -hmm. So you're growing up in a textile, furniture, not the highest paying income area that you're in. Yeah. So you're going to pick. And you have tobacco, tobacco here. Yeah. Back yeah. In the, you, tobacco. You did, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huge tobacco, some cotton, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of soybean. So, but when, when you're raised in that, what we call the mill town mentality, you have to use what you have. Yeah. So you didn't have that disposable income to buy the hams, to buy the tenderloins. So you use what you have. So, uh, the shoulder, I think, is the best cut for cooking barbecue because it, it, it's, it's got the perfect consistency of the right amount of fat, right amount of meat. The bone's not so big that it interferes with anything on, on your shoulder. So to me, it's because of where we are. Your yeah. location dictates totally what kind of food you're going to have. You know, if you're on the coast, you're going to eat seafood. Yeah. If you're in Texas, you're going to eat beef because that's what you have. Right. Yeah. So we have pork here, and it, you know, we're fortunate enough that we can raise pigs here, and that to me is part of it. Yeah. You, it makes you, total it's, sense. It's your region. That's that's what you're going to yeah. have. Regionality. It's funny. I was thinking about the different cuts of meat, and I'm wondering because to kind of frame this as well as the the monk family is uh, three generations now. I think we're we're, yep. we're we're dipping into the third generation with Nathan, we have, right? Uh, uh, in, a, in, in a year, we'll have my oldest granddaughter. She'll be the fourth generation. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, yeah. So 
Now, you married into the family, that, that's yes. correct? Right? I was shotgun waiting. You shotgun <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you had to get in, didn't you? Yeah. Like, we need someone to work the late shift on this smoker. Where's that guy, Bub? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was just thinking, though, I'm like, maybe the reason for the three different types of cuts of meat were just, uh, it was just because as little kids, they were like, I like mine chopped. I like mine sliced. I like, and then they're like, oh, and just as me making like, a sandwich with no turkey on it because for Charlotte, and then Alexander's like, "Oh, I'm a vegetarian now." And I make like nine different meals a day for three people, you know. Right. But it's like everything's all individual, so it's like it may, I'd love to know. Like that was just a residual. It's like no, no, it's just because we had picky kids, and then that's the way we <laughs> yeah. did. It. Yeah. But uh, but so but I bring that up though to actually talk about that that kind of lineage and history. So. Um, Walk us through uh, who was the man that created, and then like, because uh, I believe we have everybody actually in the building right now at the I, at the moment. I, I think we do, which is a, a not a, not a common thing, right? To have all the generations, and or is that is that common to have everybody it, here? I, I, I think it is in the barbecue industry. Yeah. If you look, I don't care if it's Eastern or Western style or Piedmont style. Look at all the families that have started the restaurants, and their children have all grown up in it. Yeah, and their grandkids are growing up in it. And you know, I can remember when I first started the the older folks back then that I learned from. You know, that were family members, and gosh, we probably have ten families in Lexington that have barbecue restaurants. Right, and they're all great families. They all do a great job, but they grew up like we grew up. You know, in that in that family like that. It's you know. I- Watching the the Netflix barbecue uh, chef's table where they uh, they went down deep with Rodney Scott out in Charleston, he's talking, he's lamenting about how his dad was so domineering and it was a really tough upbringing and how he had no life other than just smoking these whole hogs and doing all you know doing all this and he sounded like he hated all of it and his life was so bad and I paused and looked at my wife like. If he hated this so much, well, he didn't have to do this. But it's like, it felt like a calling. And I think his rationale, from what I gathered, was like, I know I, all, I always knew I had to do this no matter what. Just when it gets to be the point where I'm in charge, I'm going to do things a little bit more my way. And, and he kind of changed it a little bit more now. And then now it's kind of what Rodney Scott Barbecue is here. Tradition, technique, recipe, all of that. Has that all been passed down? Has there been evolution? Is, is it... Is Lexington, Lexington Barbecue, or Monks, as we kind of familiarly call it here, similar to what it was in 1962? Or is there any significant change that we've gone through in the process? I think everything that we can control has been passed down as far as what we consider our recipes. There's been changes in meat products as, as it usually takes place. There's different cuts, different uh, suppliers, some are uh, a little bit different that way because they uh, they have to tend to advance more and they have to you know beef up their process a little more. Mm-hmm. They have to run it a little bit quicker. Now more things are injected with hormones and you've got to you know take that under consideration. Mm-hmm. But it's a uh, I've been in the restaurant business almost 45 years and it's I can see it from every 10 years or so you see something change a little bit. But what we control. Our recipes, you know, how we cook our meat and everything. It's basically the same thing. Very simple, you yeah. know, easy cooking. So it's very simple that we use. Oh, yeah, Robin's here. And I think that that lends to the authenticity. 
From time to time, you may hear a sweet southern voice, and that is the voice of Miss Robin Bivens, who is the executive director of the Lexington Tourism Authority. For you nerds out there, she's like the Yoda to Lexington. Mm-hmm. Because Lexington Barbecue, the barbecue industry here in our town, we, they, we serve our population here in our town, but we're so much more than that because of the barbecue. And when folks come from around the state, other states, across the water, they are looking for that authenticity that he's talking about. And so I think having yep. that be the same, that's what it's about. It's branding, right? It is. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's like it what is. we would call it now. It's like uh, stay, not, not so much stay in your lane, but define what you do. And if you changed with the times because uh, somebody liked something that was going on in, in St. Louis or in Texas, well, then now you're just a copycat and you're not holding true. Right. It's almost like you're the ambassadors of this style, this, this culture of food. And so you have to keep it that way to preserve what the men- mentality is. That's right. You know, exactly. Robin, you mentioned to us that it was just anecdotal, but you were saying when you were in Ireland and yes. someone referenced Lexington barbecue that they were told all about that being the best barbecue and they heard this from Ireland it it told tale across the country or across the world so yeah it's like you have to preserve what you're doing to keep it going and that's why we can celebrate they can celebrate 60 years yeah this episode is sponsored in part by Blue Shark Vodka all the taste without the bite Blue Shark Vodka coming out of Wilmington North Carolina that uh, Blue Shark Vodka, Boom. we're proud to have them as our new title sponsor, and they're made with non-GMO, heirloom variety, North Carolina sweet corn, distilled four times into perfection. They do triple filtration, which makes the vodka extremely smooth, clean finish, and it makes that alcohol bite nearly vanish. Yep, they're Blue Shark Vodka, the shark that doesn't bite. Check out Blue Shark Vodka at bluesharkvodka.com. We talk to all types of entrepreneurs, restaurateurs on this podcast, and some of them are making innovative new tacos or salsas, and they're perfecting the classic brisket, but they are all working to turn that love of food into a business, and that's often the bigger challenge. Our newest sponsor is here to help. Spot On works with popular local restaurants like the Ruddy Duck Tavern and the Village Market in Eastern North Carolina, getting them set up with new technology they need to stay competitive in this industry. It's the kind of tech that the chain down the street is already using, but made specifically for you, such as a cloud-based point of sale system that not only takes orders and payments, but also ties in online ordering to takeout and delivery. Then it breaks down all the data so you can tweak your menu or set your staff schedule. From fine dining to food trucks, Spot On's integrating restaurant management system can help make running a restaurant less stressful and more successful. And you can get this end-to-end solution built specifically for your needs by a real person, Tanya Maniwo. She's a local Spot On account executive, and she'll be your partner the whole step of the way. Give her a call, 858-213-7820. That's Tanya M. at spoton.com. And Joe Van Gogh Coffee, serving the community from seed to cup, taking particular care at every step to honor the bean. 
This is Joe Van Gogh's Organic Mexican Grappos Reserve, which is really delicious. The Grappos Co-op was created in 2007 and made a tremendous impact uh, for the small traditional farmers by creating avenues and resources to get their harvest not only in the market, but certified, which allowed them to be competitive in the marketplace, in international marketplaces. And it has gone from the initial producers of 90 to well over 2,700 members. What we're going to drink here has flavor notes of graham cracker, apricot, and tamarind, which sounds so awesome. Kind of high-altitude coffee coming in around 1,600 to 1,800 feet uh, above sea level. The varieties, cultivars, are bourbon, tipica, and maracea. This is luxurious living. So go to jovangocoffee.com. Check out their locations. They have them in Hillsborough, Durham, Raleigh, in the neighboring areas as well. You can find out more information about them at jovango.com. I remember Mr. Monk telling me when we first started, and we still cook with coals, wood coals, so... I remember him telling me, you know, you can change to gas, you can change to electric, and they make a great product. But for us, we like to cook with coals because you teach a monkey how to press a, press a button and turn on a <laughs> cooker. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's kind of the way we look at it. We, right. we want authentic, exactly the way it was cooked probably in the 20s mm-hmm. when they first started producing more Lexington barbecue here. So that's what we want. The best part last night when we were having dinner, Max was talking about his Komodo Joe and how he's uh, now resigned to really living uh, religiously by temperature <laughs> and, in, not time. In, and not time. Uh, cut to well, explain because like so, I was I was told like someone said that that hunk of meat's got to go for at least nine hours, no matter what. And I okay, and I did that a few times found that I kind of overcooked the meat. Right. So then I went back, thermometer instead, put it in there, and I cooked to temp, which yeah. was, I, I feel better. And like, so that same hunk of meat, I might have been able to cook and get there at seven hours as opposed to nine, and I took it off. All that, the first thing out of your mouth, I asked, we were talking technique last night, and well, I think Robin, was, you said... It was, and by the way, this is Robin Bivens, who's the uh, director of marketing for Lexington, Barbie, for Lexington, the city of Lexington. Yeah. And... Uh, she, with her sweet southern voice, uh, took the piss out of Max by asking Bub, oh, Bub, how do you know when to pull off the uh, the pork shoulder? He's like, do you ever look? Do you, do ever you ever use a thermometer? thermometer? <laughs> no, we just touch it. Yeah. So whatever you know, science I thought know. I was doing uh, is, is wrong. But that's cool. So that so you mentioned and you revealed not anyone gets on that smoker back there. Oh, no. In fact, how long does it typically take to earn the trust to finally get to be able to cook or to smoke a pork shoulder here at Monk's? You, we we probably train a cook probably a year and a half, maybe two years, uh, with someone that really knows how to cook. That's incredible. Because it's exactly what you said. You can put a shoulder on or a cut of meat on there and look at a recipe and say it's three hours. Well, it doesn't work like that because there's different textures, their temperature might be a little different, humidity, the type of wood you're using, all comes into play with that. Yeah. So you, our general rule is nine to 12 hours. So we allow that much time for our shoulders to cook. It may take nine hours, may take 12. Yeah, when so, it's already 95 degrees outside exactly. with 100, 100% humidity index, it's probably gonna cook a little faster. It, it does. I would assume. It does. As opposed to in the middle of winter. And it does. And, and then uh, wood has a lot to do with it. If you have, taste-wise, you won't notice that much difference between a hardwood hickory and oak. Cooking-wise, you will because hickory cooks hotter. So mm. it takes you have to really be careful when you cook with hickory because you can burn 
your meat if you're not careful. So you have to really know your meat, really know your temperatures, really know what wood you have. So that 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 makes a lot of difference in the way you cook. How do you? So what gets served to the people that come in for ten o'clock then? If because the five thirty is not going to be five thirty. Right. Shoulders are not going to be ready. So do you hold things at temp overnight or? Yeah. yeah. What we do is we cook. Mm -hmm. Say we start at five thirty six in the morning. We cook all day. We leave those shoulders on all night for the next morning. Okay. And they're up to temperature usually about 150, 145, 150 in that range. So when we start out every day with fresh meat. Gotcha. So the meat is actually 16 hours old, but it's been on the pit the whole time. Right, holding so, temperature. Right, exactly. So that way, and it's one of those things, if you run out, it's not like you can drop it on the grill and cook it in 10 minutes. It takes 10 more hours. So you have to plan ahead. Yeah, that much a, a day ahead of time. I mean, it's basically it feels like you're you're basically cooking around the clock, like twenty four hours. It is, yeah. and, and if you count the time that it's on there when it drains, what we call the drain, and it's firing, it's it's on there a full day. And so, when we get a plate of barbecue here, no matter how it's cut, that how are you holding temp and maintaining like because i, I want to know as the home cook you know like you cook something all day and but maybe your your guests aren't coming over for another couple hours how do you keep that meat from drying out and maintaining all that flavor one of the tricks i think i've learned over the years the longer you can keep your meat on the bone the better it's going to be right it's going to stay moist it's going to have a little more flavor so we try and cut that as close as we can to what we're going to need. Okay. You know, if we see we're going to need 25 pounds, we know we have to work up a little bit more. But we have holding cabinets that we put those in, and they're a moist cabinet that has steam heat okay. that keeps those in there. But we try to keep those shoulders whole as long as we can. Got yeah. it. And that's what locks that moisture and flavor in there. But so the so steam cabinet, that's what you need for your next uh, there we steam, go. steam cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to get to the story and why Wayne Monk started this in 1962 because um, there's one thing for cooking barbecue at home and then there's another thing for when you're turning it into a business in a restaurant. I remember uh, Ed Mitchell of Pitmaster fame shared with us uh, how he got into the business and that um, his mom had just uh, lost her husband or his dad and he was home and they were sad and he started cooking in their local general store. And it brought everybody around because they started smelling, and they're like, "Damn, what yeah. is that?" And then he was sold out of barbecue by the end of the day. And she was he, like, "You he, need to do that again tomorrow." Yeah, exactly. his calling was there. <laughs> uh, so, how did it happen with Wayne, and, and how did it turn into a restaurant? I think from uh, hearing the story about fifty times, <laughs> I'm going to try and tell it as closely as I can. Wayne was 16. Okay. And we had a couple local barbecue restaurants around. So he was riding with a friend and they were going to a restaurant. So we have curb service. That means they come out to your car and wait on you and bring I heard it was out. called a toot and serve. <laughs> that, <laughs> it, that's one of the names. <laughs> so you call it something different. Well, it just yeah. depends how busy you are. <laughs> yeah. But we, but he, he was in the car with the, with a young man driving. So they pull up, order the curb service. Uh, the owner comes out and he tells them, he said, he knew the guy that was driving. He said, would you like a job? I need a curb boy. And he said, I can't, I'm working somewhere. And Wayne was in the back. He said, I'll do it. And mm. it was Wayne's birthday. Wow. So the next day Wayne started on the curb, hopping curb. And from then on, it was like, he just 
fell in love with it. It gets in your blood, that smoke gets in there and it's kind of, so, you know, he kind of developed that idea. Of, I, I could do this, I could do this, you know. So, you know, that's a giant step. Yeah. You yeah. know, opening any new business, but especially a restaurant, you know, so that's kind of how that evolved. And so he worked for a, some really great men uh, in the restaurant business, in the barbecue business. And, you know, eventually he said, you know, I, I, I want to open my own place. So this is kind of how it happened. Yeah, and he worked his way up from Cruz exactly. service. Exactly. And uh, so from what Max said earlier, how does it work and how did they each manage to uh, stand out on their own? Because you have 15 barbecue restaurants. Uh, we've only been to yours so far. So what, what should we expect and how do you guys, you know, keep a business enough for... 15 restaurants in a somewhat small town uh, everyone you're basically everything is going to be close to the same our sauce or our dip will be pretty close to the same one might be a little saltier one might be a little sweeter slaw the same way some of the restaurants in town have coleslaw the mayonnaise based slaw uh, and they have barbecue slaw also we just have the barbecue slaw which that's kind of a Davidson County North Carolina Lexington thing you probably don't see that anywhere else in the country right here so but that's how that kind of develops and each each restaurant develops a little more you know one might have fried chicken okay and add that to the menu say oh well they have good fried chicken mm. we'll go there too yeah uh, you know other places might have something else that is a little more unique but you're gonna find that most all of the restaurants barbecue restaurants have that same uh, feel to it same taste to it like i said a little yeah. bit difference in the sauce of the slaw but you know, hush the, puppies might be a little different or you know but. It, it makes me think of well for one i don't think that this mentality exists in america any longer where somebody does something like uh, a certain style and then other people go oh i want to do it just like you did it and then we all do it and now it's defined as a community cultural type of food uh, now, now it's like, oh well, that's what he does, so I got to do something different, and that's more the mentality. But it reminds me of uh, an episode that we talked about. There was like kind of a phenomenon. We were talking to uh, Charlie Ibarra and Oscar Diaz. We were talking about Mexican food culture and how um, Charlie referenced how there was a small town in Mexico that makes up the bulk of what we consider American Mexican. American Mexican food here. That basically this one small town, like set all their young men to move up to America with like a, a set menu and so much so that like literally the, the they would be like combos it would be like combo number one combo number two number three but but they would be exactly the same in Atlanta as it would be in Denver as it would be in you know, New Mexico or in Boston and it was like they were all descendants from this one family and kind of defined American Mexican food which is so crazy that like they're like, all right, we got a good thing, we got a good plan. Now go and divide, divide and conquer. They're and the Mexican food, American Mexican food apostles. Yeah, apostles, but yeah, apostles. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but so that's that is a a phenomenon that that's not regularly preached in the anymore. It's like this community said, this is how we're gonna do it, and kind of held true. And like you said, somebody might do something a little different. Like you guys serve turkey now. Yeah. And you've been doing it for, you said about maybe 10, 15 years? Yeah, probably about 15, maybe. So that sounds like a brand new thing in like, it, in the fact that you've been doing this for almost 60 years. 
bringing in turkey was like, whoa, hold on, slow down here. What are we doing here? We can't do this. Uh, what was the mentality there for bringing in turkey? Why, why did you feel the need? I think we did that one reason to create something a little healthier mm. because a lot of folks are being health conscious now and we thought we would add something that would, and a little bit lighter yeah. on the menu. Uh, you know, when I first started, or when you're when you're in the business, you know, you didn't. There's certain things you, you had: barbecue, hot dogs, hamburgers, no cheeseburgers, very few fries, and a few hush puppies. That was your menu. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't have a lot of the other stuff that filled in because that's what people were eating. So you have to adjust your product to your clientele. You know, if someone's calling, hey, I want turkey, I want chicken, I want. You have to adjust a little bit for that. You'll still have your main product, you know, because you want to be, you know, if we're Lexington barbecue, I want to have barbecue, you know, I don't want to have too much fish, you know, or anything other than that. I want to be known for the barbecue. So you specialize in that one product and kind of venture out from there. Taking care of a home is stressful with so many vendors to find and manage from plumbers to handymen to house cleaners. It's impossible to get consistently high quality service. Enter Exhale, the only trusted partner homeowners need to maintain, clean, fix, and improve their homes. You'll have a dedicated home manager with one number to call for everything, and we guarantee our service. If it's not done right, we'll make it right. Visit exhaleathome.com to learn more and book a consultation. We'll take it from here. Triangle Wine Company, locally owned and operated. Triangle Wine Company is committed to creating the best shopping experience in fine wine and craft beer. Hi, this is Nikki with Triangle Wine Company. Wanted to let you know we have an upcoming farm-to-table wine dinner at our Cary location on September the 15th from 6.30 to 8.30. Tickets are $65 per person. Get all the details and your tickets at trianglewineco.com. You do fried chicken, you're doing cheeseburgers, hot dogs, a ham and cheese sandwich. I mean, it's a full-blown restaurant. It's not like just a barbecue joint where you're just getting that. So we did also know, just because we're food and beverage, it's sweet tea, it's lemonade. There is definitely no beer. Cheer wine. Oh, cheer wine. There you go. But no alcohol in any of these places. No. And that's no. that's probably a holdover from when this whole area was probably dry, I would assume. And it was. The county was dry. The town was dry. Now, Lexington is not dry and has actually had it's been a wet county long city or wet city uh inside a dry county right. now the whole area is wet or yep. you yep. can have alcohol in all the spaces but for a long time uh you you were like the outliers there was the one spot but barbecue and alcohol don't seem to mesh is there any thought process any insight on that you know alcohol has a uh somewhat bad reputation sometimes for overuse. Yeah. So I think most restaurants, and because barbecue restaurants especially, because families own those restaurants, they want a family atmosphere. Right. You know, they don't want to see the guy come in that's had a couple too many or, you know, something that's out of control like that. And we've all seen that and all been through that. But for us, it was, we, we wanted to keep the atmosphere as close to you coming in and sitting down like you're in your living room or your kitchen. Yeah. And have a conversation, not worry about the alcohol or the other things. Because 
But if you came into my kitchen, you'd already be four beers in. Well, if you yeah. came to my kitchen, you know I always cook with a glass of wine. I don't. Or, right, or, right. I mean, if I'm on the grill cooking hamburgers and hot dogs, I have a glass of wine. Well, yeah. and that's or, also the subculture that cold beer. I, I know a lot of pit masters. I know a yeah. lot of guys that cook. And the kind of the thing that the unspoken thought is, oh yeah, we're we're smoking this meat all through the night. That's when we break out the thirty pack of natty lights, and everyone's standing around here. The house and those exactly. things until the end of the night, but that's all kind of behind closed doors. That's not really like right. front facing, right? Well, but that's not front facing, so right. everybody knows. What to, oh, here we go. We're building we're a new, up. yeah, we're building that's a new right. add-on. No, it's, it's, fine. it's kind of funny because that's why we always said painters. There's two requirements: you have to drink and listen to country music, <laughs> because it would drive you crazy if you didn't. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> well, but the same. Uh, I guess not argument, but point um, like you know, it's evolved. You have your base, but then you moved into serving turkey and chicken. Right. I have to assume that a lot of your even families or people that come in or all the tourists that come in for Lexington barbecue, they want to have a beer with their with their with their barbecue. And so, uh, do you think that will ever change, or do you think some of the other? I heard some of the, one of the other restaurants is starting to serve beers, but do you, do you think that will evolve as well? I don't think it will in our generation. Yeah. Maybe the new generation coming up and the, all the younger kids with their, you know, all their new electronics and everything, and they get out with there. With their hair and, and their clothes. And, and their clothes yeah. and their attitude. And <laughs> it's, well, so, so Nathan is the third generation monk, is that right? Yes, yes. So we got to ask him. So Nathan, yeah. when are you applying for or your his, beverage or license? Or his uh, granddaughter. Yeah. Or, yeah, or your granddaughter. Yeah. And, and, and I don't I don't have a problem in the world with that with the alcohol part or whatever because like I said I love good cold beer uh, but you know it, it's persona sometimes yeah you know and what you look for you know in the event of example for us we fed five presidents oh, it's wow. kind of hard to come in you know and your president visit here and then, you know, something, you know, you get someone out of control or something. Yeah. We like to control every aspect. Nixon. <laughs> Nixon. <laughs> so wait, so five different presidents have eaten here? Is that what you're we, saying? We've had five different presidents. I remember back in when, uh, I think it was 82 or 83, when we fed, uh, went to Williamsburg for the economic summit and fed. Uh, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, well, no, we no, fed Reagan, 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 Reagan both Bushes. I mean, Older Bush was there, yeah. but then we fed both Bushes, Obama, Clinton, but we fed all of those. But I remember we had the summit there and fed 11 heads of state. That last guy didn't show we up? There. Well, sometimes... I mean, he know, looks like he's had a lot of barbecue, but... I'm, I'm not going to say yes or no. <laughs> that's, that's a good political yeah, that's answer. A, yeah, that's a way to stay up. Um, but I, so just to ask you about that for a second, do you feel like the community would, you would get a lot of flack Backlash if let's say you serve you offered beer on your menu. I, I, that that's a, like a double-edged sword. Yeah. yeah. Because for like for example on Wednesday night, we know we're going to get a church group in. Yeah. And, and there are twenty-five or thirty people every Wednesday night. Do you sacrifice that part mm. because? You know they're leaning towards no alcohol or whatever or do you move a little more towards the right and say or towards the left and let's say let's open it up a little bit yeah it's kind of that line where it doesn't bother us you know uh, that someone has alcohol 
but we try and just stay in the middle as much as we can. We try to complement both sides. We feel like if you can come in here and get a good meal, you don't need alcohol or whatever, uh, that's what we rely on. Well, let's bring you know, it back to the barbecue. Right. You're going through, you said in a week, you're cooking how many pork shoulders? Six, we, six, 650 maybe, somewhere in that range. So we're talking about, I think because doing the quick math, you're 11, 12 pounds a, a unit. So you're looking at like 7,000 pounds of barbecue yeah. being consumed in a week. So if that's not enough to just keep the lights on, I mean, it seems like it's more than to keep the lights on. That's, that's to be a, a healthy business. It's not like the beer or the lack of beer is slowing you down. And why mess with a good thing? That's kind of been the mentality since the beginning about recipe and style. Exactly. Uh, that makes me very curious. Walk us through, I want to know what your, your smoker setup looks like. Visually, like, take us down that little path. How does, how does the, the, effectively your kitchen, your smoker, how is it built? What's it look like? If you look at our, we'll call those pits because most of us, when you cook with wood, we call those pits. Yeah. But they're not pits anymore because that's how they started. They were dug in the ground or whatever it might have been and you cooked over your pits. Yeah. These have advanced, let's say that. We've evolved. We have as much brick in those smokers as you would bricking a full-size house. Okay. They're four brick thick, two brick, two fire brick thick. They're approximately... 10 to 12 feet wide, five feet deep. So we cook uh, maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of about 40 shoulders on each pit. We have five of those. When you see each pit, in the, if you have two pits, one firebox can cook on those two pits. It has enough space where you can put enough coals to cook in there down that you can fire your two pits. So we have two fireboxes, four pits on this side. One that we generally warm up on if we need to. Yeah. We cook on that one at Christmas when it's really busy. So if you're looking at you're looking at a huge brick wall, you know, 75, 80 feet wide, four huge doors, which Whoa. are the pits, with two fireboxes that feed each one of those two pits there. So that's we, a, that's and, a huge and we're cooking a, a quart of wood a day. I mean, we're using a quart of wood a day. Eight so by eight by eight. It's, it's right. a, and we have two sawmills that provide us with that lumber. So it's 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 a process. You got to keep it going like that. That's massive. So no wonder why you need to have like a big team and, and go yeah. through there. Now, so you married into the family. Yeah. Your wife. Yeah. That is, she's the daughter, the yep. uh, monk's daughter. What is uh, what is the role of the lady in the in the family uh, here at monks? What 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 would you say? They do. What, what would they you say? They tell the men what to do. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Robert said Isn't that pretty that close. Isn't that how that works? <laughs> well, I, restaurant work is hard work. Mm -hmm. And I, I, as I was telling Robin when we were talking earlier this morning, when you start in restaurant work, you're married to the restaurant. You've got to know, and your wife or your spouse or whatever, you've got to know that that's part of the business. You're going to be away. Mm -hmm. There's going to be times when... You can't get to the kids' ball game. Uh, you're going to miss a birthday, maybe. Someone doesn't show up or something happens. You know, you're going to have to work late hours because that's part of the business. So your wife plays a vital, vital part in that. And if they're not willing to sacrifice a lot for that, then it, it makes it twice as hard. And a lot of times they're the sounding board. I know Kelly, my wife, when I get home, I'm like, oh, I, it was terrible tonight. We couldn't do this and we couldn't do that. So she's the sounding board. She says, look, you know, we'll start on it tomorrow. So, yeah. 
you know that that to me you have that support and they work the girls work here I mean you know they're you know uh, Mr. Monk's wife, you know, she. I remember when I first started working, she worked in the kitchen with us. Okay. So it was pretty quiet back there. Not like, I mean, you, you had to kind of watch what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes. So it was pretty quiet back No know, locker room talk. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, Max and I have talked about this, but uh, because we did a, actually a, a bubbles and brisket event. I know that's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, a blasphemy around here. No, but, no, yeah, no, but, no, no. No, no. But, uh, I mean the brisket part, no, but uh, yeah. we, we were looking, you know, to see if there was any uh, female pitmasters around, and there's not a lot. Do you know of any that are uh, that were, are going to work back there or want to work back there? No, <laughs> <laughs> that that is an extremely hard job, and and we're fortunate and blessed enough that we have several guys that cook for us, and some have been thirty, maybe forty years with us that have been cooking. So we're blessed, and most folks have that same, most restaurants in Lexington have that same setup where they've had guys that have cooked with them for a long time. But it, it, it's a, and I'm not being sexist by any means, but it's an extremely hard job for a, a young man. It's even harder for a young woman. Yeah, It's just physical-wise. Physical-wise. It, it, it's mental-wise, it's, they can handle it easily. But for the stress, yeah. And just being physically able to do that, it's an extremely hard job. That's uh, referencing that same Netflix, The Chef's Table with the Barbecue. They had the whole episode with the Tootsie, I believe her name was. Um, and she's an older lady out there in East, East Texas doing brisket. And she basically was just working at the front counter while her husband was doing things. And then he got sick. I think he had a heart attack or something. And so she filled in for him cut to now she's like she's a little old lady but she's been doing this and there's lines down the street for her brisket and she's in charge but it's rare she's like the only yeah. woman that I've seen that really is exactly. not to say that there aren't a lot but there really aren't a lot of women at least in our not, in our not in the pits yeah and from what we've tried to find um, but what about so because uh, I was thinking about this with quality quality of life and and what you do uh, you talk about the pre-planning you know you've got to be you got to set it out. You know, you, this is going to be a ten-hour cook or, or or smoke, and all of this. It almost like begets the pattern because you have to prep tomorrow for today and think about a week in advance with ordering and all. So, is there ever a chance for this word vacation? Do you ever get a break from this place, or, or how does that work? What's the quality of life of a pitmaster that's been doing it for nearly sixty years? You you uh, you do you you enjoy your family. I think when you do this, when you're close like this, and a vacation normally for us is we all can get together at the same time and, and have a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we take turns, we travel, we go to the beach, you know, we go to the mountains. We used to every uh, spring, every fall, we would take off and go to New England for two weeks, you know, and you know that, and it was great, it was great. But you still have it in the back of your mind. You right. Know, it's yeah. never gone. You know, <laughs> it's about a two-day check-in. Everything going okay? Right. So, uh, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. It's- well, I want to know one one last thing because uh, you guys don't. Uh, you just use a very simple salt to, before you cook so there's not the barbecue sauce on there. The However, the, there's no mop. There's no mop. The smokehouse barbecue sauce that you guys make proprietary oh. here yeah. was... And I am a hot sauce fan. Was some of the be- I mean, I just wanted to pour it on everything. You know, it's like, uh, and, and so what's the secret there? Can you give, can you share how you guys make that? That is, uh, it's it's 
very simple recipe. I mean, table recipes, the pepper, the salt, sugar, the ketchup, the vinegar. You know, it's, it's a very simple, no specialty spice that's in that. But the difference in what you see, what we, and you know, it's funny, I always thought dip is a misnomer because you don't dip anything. Right. I mean, it's not like you put it on there. You put it on afterwards, so it's not. It's like more like a gravy. But it's, it's, 70, <laughs> it's 75% water. 75% water? The, the dip or the? The, the dip. Okay. It's, it's a real mild because we want you to taste the sauce and the smokiness of the meat. We don't want a heavy sauce on the meat because that hides the flavor of your meat. Right. Because you have to add a liquid smoke to make it taste like that. So we want something. This enhances the flavor of the meat. Exactly. This, this is straight uh, cider vinegar. It has no cut with water to it. So that's where you get the bite from it. When you eat it and it hits the back of your throat, you're like, oh my gosh, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, like a hybrid of ketchup uh, with like a Worcestershire sauce. Mm -hmm. uh, and a little pepper on the back with side. That, yeah, with that pepper on stuff. But there was something that I saw you in your coffee, uh, your hot coffee thing. It was a mm -hmm. red sauce in there. That's, well, the, that's the dip. The that's sauce. the dip. That's the make, mild and sauce. And so you keep it hot on the, yeah. on the yeah. coffee maker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. in case you want to add a little bit. Yeah, so you have the dip and then you have the sauce. Yes. And so this barbecue sauce is something that you, you put on the table so... The way it's served, you, you get your slaw, which we didn't even talk about, but the slaw is unbelievable. Uh, the, the, the chop of the slaw is what I really appreciate. It's yeah. finely chopped. Yes. And it's a red slaw too, yes. right? So yes. you're throwing, what does that mean with the red? Is it because of the, the vinegar it's, it's that you're putting ketchup. in? It's ketchup. ketchup. If, you, it, yeah. it, it, if you will notice the same sauce, if you take coleslaw, for example, it's basically salt, pepper, sugar, vinegar, you know, that you're gonna make cabbage. Yeah. So ours no mayo. Is, no. So ours is salt, ketchup. I mean salt, pepper, sugar, ketchup. Where we substitute the ketchup instead of the mayonnaise. That's pretty close to the same thing. Yeah. Right. And it's a very mild vinegar that we use. Mm -hmm. If you notice, it's not like a marinated, like you would eat, you know, cucumbers or something when you marinate something. It's a very mild vinegar that we use on there, so it doesn't overpower everything. So, yeah. if, I mean, you can pick it up. This is the difference. Pick it up and smell it, and you almost burn your nose hair. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you pick up the regular sauce and smell it, you're like, well, I smell a little pepper, or, you know, you don't smell it real strong. Yeah, so, yeah so getting back to the service, you, you get the chopped or the sliced or the coarsely chopped barbecue coupled with a little bit of red slaw on, in one container, and then separately you have a cup of dip. Right, and that dip is more of a liquidy, you know, consistency that you just kind of draw, drench the meat in, and then on top of it you have now the barbecue sauce that brings that bright tanginess that you just kind of sprinkle on top a right. little bit to make it more intense. Right, it, I mean, you covered all your bases, and then you think like, yeah, you didn't need to over season any of the meat in the process of doing it. Just kind of get out of the way and let it cook. Right, because I, I imagine too for that same picky kid that we were kidding around with, but maybe for everybody else's flavor uh, tastes, what they appreciate, you're kind of starting with a base and allowing everyone to kind of season and salt their meat the way it makes sense to them. Exactly. And, and some, we, we do it, one of the reasons we don't, usually when you cook Eastern style, it's a whole lot. You chop your stuff and put your sauce in it all. There. Right, that's and what we're used it. to, yeah. When we make it here, whatever you order, there's nothing on it except when we smoke it. And you can order your sauce separate. 
-hmm. some of the smaller children, they can't tolerate the sauce sometimes, even though it's a mild. So they love it, but they don't want the sauce on. Mm. So it works out for them. That's as basic as you get. Yeah. And then you move up a little bit if you want your sauce, your tanginess, your Tabasco. You know, then you can move up from there. Yeah, you can even spice it. Because if you start hot, you can't work your way down. Well, I'm just going to try to figure out, Max, how much of uh, that sauce we can put in the back of your truck to take home with it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, get it on tap. We, yeah. we, we, we made 19,000 bottles of that last year. Okay. And it goes right out the front door. That's nuts. Like, just sales yeah. for, yeah. 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 So that's one last question that I had is, why don't we have multiple Monk's barbecue places? Like, there's only one, but you're busy. You never thought the the thought of having two or three or ten of these places. Yeah. You know, we we like to keep control over what we're doing and keep our thumb on things. If we would venture out, I think we would lose some of that somewhere down the line because somebody's going to say, "Well, I can cook it a whole lot easier with gas or mm-hmm. electric." But there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not what we want. Right. So. I think we try to control everything we can control there again in-house. Mm-hmm. The farther away you get, the harder it is to control your stuff. And, you know, we've, we've been approached by several folks, you know, come come to Charlotte, come to Raleigh, you know. Uh, a few years ago, we had the racetrack, Charlotte. Oh, we'll provide whatever you need, you know. And yeah. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, do I want to feed 50,000 people, you know, barbecue or try and plan on something for that? Or do I want to do what I'm doing now and, you know, kind of keep everything in-house there? So, you know, we, we, we like to keep things where we can control it. Yeah. And if, like I said, the farther away you get, the harder it is to control those things. I think that you have a very nice blend of being humble, but also having a lot of pride in what you do. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I imagine you guys got a little cocky about how good your meat is versus, you know, whomever else is around. But then at the same time, you're like, but it's just... But we're here, and that's what we do. It's our space. This is our little nook that we've carved out, and uh, this is where we put our, our our place, our stamp in this community. It's pretty and, cool. And, and, and you're exactly right. What what I want to do when you come in my restaurant, I don't want you to say, well, I'm from Eastern North Carolina, and this is the way we do it, and this is Piedmont style. I don't want you to compare the two. It's two different beasts altogether. Yeah. Because good barbecue is good barbecue no matter where you go. So you try it for yourself, and you make the decision for yourself. If you like it, great. I'm happy for you. If you don't like it, that's okay, too. And, you know, you can pick whatever barbecue you want to. But we don't try and, you know, it's not a north-south battle. You know, <laughs> right. it's, it's we're here together to put out a good product. Other restaurants put out a good product. And if you like that, please come and eat with us. If you like the other one. I hope you're happy with that. Please come and try us again or whatever you might be. So it's... And it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. And I'm guessing that a lot of people like it because otherwise you wouldn't have your restaurant for plus 60 years and then all these other establishments around it that are also doing something similar and people coming into Lexington for Lexington barbecue. So... And in the community, it's not a competition. Yeah, the yeah. restaurants do not compete with each other. Yeah, they you know they each do their own thing, and although there are a great many similarities, there are some differences, but they don't compete. It's all it is a barbecue family. Yeah, we we grew up, and we know everyone's family. We know, yes. and we our kids play ball together. You know, we go to church together. I mean, it's it's a family. Lexington is a family. 
and you know let's like Robin said we don't try and compete with anyone else and we don't one of the things for example you were asking about vacation we all know that we take certain weeks of vacation off mm -hmm. so every barbecue restaurant's not closed at the same time so we know oh, nice. like Speedy's right. for example is going to be closed the first week in August right. we're going to be closed around the fourth barbecue center is closed a couple weeks after that that way when people come to town looking for barbecue if that's what they're looking for Wow. We can provide that service for holding up the, the whole town. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's, and, and, you know, it's kind of cool. crazy because you said that when, you know, talking about folks visiting. But a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a young man in and he came to the register and said, God, I, I think I need a discount. I'm traveled the farthest, you know, you know, to come and eat barbecue here. And I said, sure, York. sure. Where are you from? He said, I'm from Oklahoma. I said, man, that's great. I said, but. You just missed it. We had some folks from New Zealand in a few months ago. You <laughs> <laughs> barely yeah. missed it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they, you know, that's that's came what's a little farther. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that's that's the mentality that you have in Lexington. You, you know, every family prides herself on what they do, especially in the restaurant business. And, you know, restaurant uh Lexington has gone through a progression of, oh my gosh, from everybody's family worked somewhere in textile and furniture. And when that was gone, you know, it was like devastating for all these little towns, especially in Lexington or in North Carolina area. So we're working our way back. Yeah. And luckily we've got that heritage of barbecue to keep us <laughs> somewhat together there because folks come back and say, you know, this is pretty good. You know, so let's they come right. back, their kids come back, yeah. their grandkids come back. We have, you know, several folks that Charlotte and Raleigh, you know, they're halfway kind of between us. So a lot of salesmen coming by up and down the highway and they tell their kids and grandkids and I've seen the kids grow up and now, you know, they're out of college and so it, it's it's been fun. Yeah. And there's That's no awesome. better way to get people to come than to invite them to eat. That's right. Well, you know, when that, I want that, my daughters to come see me, I say, "Hey, I'm cooking." And they come. Right. So we invite them to come eat barbecue. Yeah, just just if you don't think so, just Tell someone, invite someone to church. Tell them you're having covered Tell dish. Tell them you're having food. Right. They'll be there. That's right. So. <laughs> well, that's why we're here. So, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, uh, for everybody out there, come to Lexington Barbecue. You will eat extremely merrily. <laughs> Thank Very you. Good. Thanks for listening to the NC F&B Podcast. And if you've stuck with us this long, review us on iTunes. And remember, five stars are encouraged. Proof Alcohol Ice Cream. We pour art and science into every bite. An artisan ice cream company from Columbia, South Carolina. Proof is changing the way people think about dessert.